For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Yo, yo, yo! What's up? The Bad Brain's coming in hot once again. Welcome back to another episode of the show, Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or the front woman of a band. And we got a great episode this week. Something a little bit different. I speak to Judah of Judah and the Lion, a band that, well, I'm hearing hearing them literally everywhere. In fact, I got a flat tire over the weekend, which actually never happened to me before. Literally just my tire was flat in my driveway. Super weird. Well, I called Canadian Tire. That's a tire shop up in Canada. I called them and they put me on hold for a minute. And guess what came on as the the music waiting on the call? Judah and the Lion. I cannot get away from this band. And I don't mind at all. When the lady from Canadian Tire came back on the phone, I told her. I told her I enjoyed the waiting music very much. So we got a great episode. Judah is super forthcoming, super interesting. And we get into basketball a little bit. It's a really, really good chat. I don't want to spoil it. I do want to thank everybody that tuned in last week and the week before and even the week before that if you want. But last week with Josh Ramsey was a super special episode. Make sure you go back and listen to that one if you missed it. And a little bit of show news information next week. I'm going on vacation. That's right. I am taking the week off. So there will not be a new episode. The All Access Club members will get something. That's for sure. But the regular people will have to wait a week. But we'll be back with a really, really great episode in two weeks. 
So use the opportunity to go back and listen to the 201 episodes that you may have missed. Well, my band Silverstein, we got lots of news, so I got to share this with you. The first, I guess the newest news, we have a brand new live album that just came out today. Uh, It is our first album when Broken is Easily Fixed in its entirety from the last tour. We picked, we recorded every day, every show, and we picked from the best and we put it together. It's streaming now. It's available on vinyl and CD as well over at silversteinstore.com. So check that out. What else? We're going on tour. It's coming up quick. It's coming up real quick. In fact, we just sold out our Cologne, Germany show. One of the London dates is sold out. So Europeans, get your tickets. They're going fast. And Americans, Canadians, we're coming right after. Silverstein20.com. Check it out. We're coming over with Four Years Strong and I the Mighty in the U.S. And in Europe, we're coming back with our good pals, Hawthorne Heights. So it really is going to be a great time. So definitely check that out. If you want to get in touch with me, you always can. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read every single one of my emails, and I am trying so hard to be better at responding. I do get back to most people once in a while. Some things, they slip through the cracks, but uh, but yeah, I uh, really do enjoy hearing feedback from y'all. If it's about the podcast, if it's suggestions for upcoming guests, whatever it is, that's awesome. If you want even more interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, if you want bonus episodes or if you enjoy this show so much and you appreciate the fact that it's free and always will be free and you want to give back, well, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, that gets you in. You get access to Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise and all the other stuff I mentioned. And that's right. It is what keeps the lights on around here. And uh, I really do appreciate all the support of all over 350 members we have in the All Access Club. Love you guys. Love my sinners. Thank you so much. Well, that just about does it for the intro. So I will get into the conversation that I had with Judah of Judah and the Lion. What's up? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Good. You're uh, you're in my motherland of Canada. Yes, I'm loving it. We like woke up um, today. We were in Banff yesterday, actually. Oh, the last beautiful! Day was freaking so beautiful. Oh, and then yeah. woke up to the snow today. So we were like, oh my gosh. Oh, is it really snowing out there? It's snowing. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I'm from yeah, I'm we- from like Toronto area, 
So it's like people always, it's so funny the ignorance that some people have about Canada. You know, they're like, oh, I've always wanted to visit Canada. I'm like thinking about going up for the weekend. I'll check out like Toronto, Vancouver. Uh, You know, it's like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's like a five hour flight apart. Uh, You know, know how people are. It's different coasts. My my wife actually, my wife was out this week. Um, She just flew back today from Calgary, but. Um, so I got like a little bit of a throat thing going on with this cold stuff, but, mm. um, she was, she was kind of the same way. I was like, yeah, Vancouver's like on the West coast, babe. Um, so funny. I know. Well, that's the thing about touring, man, especially this time of year. Cause I mean, I guess any time of year really like if it's winter time, you know, you're going to go from the extreme cold and then the moderate cold to like, you know, the hot weather, the dry weather, the humid weather, it is. It right. does really wreak havoc on on a singer's voice, um, you know. Not to mention the lack of sleep and all that stuff. Does it? Does it? Um, is it? You know? Do you take care of your voice pretty well on tour? Does it hold up pretty well, or uh, do you have issues? It actually holds up pretty well. I mean, I, I write in my range, which is very helpful. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, I know, like some singers, like if, if other people are writing the songs or if they're writing kind of out of the range. Um, and I, I'm kind of like, a, I mean, I'm a baritone too. So like, I feel like baritone's voices are just a little bit more like less sensitive maybe, um, than like the really, um, and it probably also probably helps that people aren't like really coming to our show necessarily just to hear me sing. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like it's more of kind of like the band kind of band thing. I've always kind of like, I don't know. I've always kind of thought of myself as like more of like a front man than a lead singer that makes sense yeah i think it makes sense totally totally no i i always i'm i'm the worst for that like my band is working on a new record right now and we actually had like the conversation about like pushing it you know what i mean like like we'll 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 adjust the keys and we'll adjust the tuning you know uh, of like you know guitars and stuff we'll tune down a little bit if we have to you know for certain songs or whatever but like there's also something about like hitting that top note of your range and just the power you can get out of it. But then the reality is when you're on like tour for months on end and, you know, singing every night and sweating and all that, it's like, is that your top note anymore? You know what I mean? It, it can change. Oh, yeah, totally. It can really change. <clears throat> yeah, that's so true. So uh, first question for you, uh, NBA season has just started. Are you a big basketball fan? You know, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm more it's just the southern the southern Tennessee boy in me. I'm more of a college sports fan than a um, professional. You like the Vols? Um, I do like the Vols. There I'm you a go. big UT Vol fan. Um, and we actually were were actually pretty decent in basketball last year. Um, yeah. So looking forward to kind of seeing what happens there. But I, I'd say for professional, um, I've kind of struck up a friendship with JJ Redick, and oh, really, um, I've always been a sucker for. Uh, good shooters. Yeah. So that, that's who I kind of like to follow. Like, you know, golden state, um, has been like a team that I've, I've loved to follow just because of Steph and Clay's Clay's thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, JJ Reddick. Um, he, he put on a show the other night against the Raptors. Uh, I, I swear that guy can't miss. Uh, that's an interesting friendship. How did that come about? <clears throat> Honestly, uh, it came up through like a podcast. Like he, he brought, he brought up our band's name in a podcast. And I remember listening or, uh, I remember growing up in Cookville, um, you know, back, back, back home, I was more of like a jock sports guy, um, played basketball and baseball in high school and ended up playing baseball in college. 
Oh, and wow. nobody really even knew that I, I played music, which is um, interesting now. But because um, nobody really knows I played sports <laughs> back in the day. Why <laughs> yeah, would they? It's like it the two separate lives. I, but I know. Yeah. 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 He he grew up actually in Cookville, Tennessee, where, where I'm from. Um, I think oh, he, wow. his family moved when he was very young. But um, anyways, I ended up just like reaching him, reaching out to him over Twitter, like Instagram or something. And um, he's come out to a couple of shows and stuff like that. It's a very, very like new newborn friendship. But um, that's the kind of style of play that I like. It's just the the shooters, the, the long shots, the um, all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's like the, I feel like that's the basketball, like us short people can relate to, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. step out of the court and like drained a couple threes and then you have in the back of your mind, like this dream, like, well, Hey, I, I made a couple threes. Maybe I, you know, it's, it's like, you kind of feel like those guys, you know, the, the, you know, shooting guards or whatever, the two guards always, you always feel like they're more relatable <laughs> to kind of yeah, like I us think, uh, that's, than that's if you're like seven true. feet tall. Like, yeah, I know. Um, if you're like not, you don't really relate to the LeBrons of the world. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> LeBron looked slow the other night, man. I don't know what's going on. I I, I think the Lakers are going to be overrated. I they got like their ass handed to them by the Clippers the other night, but. Um, Anyway. I know that was so fun to watch too. And I, I'm, I'm sorry if you're, a, um, if you were hurt by the whole Kawhi thing. Oh, you know, like a little bit. Um, but I, I swear, like if the Raptors didn't win the whole thing, like if, if they even, if they got there and like, you know, Golden State overcame them, it would have hurt way more because at least we got a championship, you know, <laughs> That's and, true. and like some teams go through, I mean, some teams have never had one and have had great teams, you know, year in and year out. You know, like the Jazz yeah. or, or whoever, like I remember them in the 90s are so good. You know, so so the fact that we got one and we'll have that forever. Um, everyone in Toronto, nobody's really that upset. Everyone understands, like you can't blame the guy for, for wanting to play in his hometown. Um, you know, so we got a championship and that's good enough. Uh, we'll take one. We yeah, hadn't well, had one in a while. so It's very uh, Canadian of you. <laughs> Yeah, how, well, how sweet you well, are about that's, that. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of kind of how I roll. Um, that is an interesting thing, though the the difference between sports and um, and music, and how in some ways they should really be more connected because they are entertainment. You know, that's right. like essentially like even even the venues in which they're performed. You know, I mean, people go to go to an arena to see a game of hoops or a hockey game, and they they also go to see a concert. Um, you know, and and people have Twitter accounts, and you know they're they're in the media or whatever. And it's interesting how far apart they can be. You know, right. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, that's something that we talk about too. Like within the the band, and just like you know, we love music and concerts so much just because in this like this world that can seem like so, I guess politically and you know whatever like pretty much everything just divided and hateful mm-hmm. towards each other like a show or a concert you have someone that that believes in a certain way and then a complete stranger standing right next to them they can believe a completely different way but they're singing the same songs yeah. and somehow they're kind of like coming together tonight and that's what sports does as well it's just like no matter who you are no matter what like you know where you're coming from in life um, and what you believe. It's like you're screaming for your team. And in that way you like become 
unified. And I feel like music and sports do that in such a beautiful way. No, absolutely. I mean, it's a great segue into your music. Um, it's just so diverse, you, you know, like I was just throwing you guys in the car just, just this afternoon, you know, I was, was doing a little research and listening to some last minute tunes. You know, I do, a little, I do do a little bit of preparing for these things. And, um, my girlfriend was, yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend didn't know, know your band and was like, she hates country music. So there was some, like, she kind of walked in, uh, at a particularly country moment. I feel like, I don't know what it was that nice. I don't even know how you quantify like what country music is like, you know, cause there's so many different ways, but it, it was just a sound. Just a, some, a banjo band from Nashville. It was probably a banjo. Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, Oh God, what is, <laughs> what is this? And I was like, Oh, this is like, actually this band's pretty sick. So, uh, you know, I think there was a couple more songs. It was like just a kind of a randomized Spotify playlist. And she's like, Oh, now is this the same band? This like, now this sounds like indie rock or like, sounds like, you know, something else. And, you know, you talk about the diversity in, you know, at shows, but at your shows, it must be so much like that because you must have people that are full on country fans beside people that are like actually indie rock fans and, and maybe even other genres like all over the map, which are all unified because they like your band and like your songs. Yeah, we, we've definitely found that a lot on this on this last tour that we've done uh, with this last record. Because, um, you know, we had like a we had a feature with Casey Musgraves yes. and a lot of people kind of like throw her in the country music lane. And yeah, um, also had a feature with John Bellion, which is like he's like more like the hip hop. Yeah. Kind of pop EDM now. He's kind of, he's kind of got this song with Elenium um, now. And yeah, so I mean, I, I think that that's, that's something that we kind of strive for. Um, and we've noticed um, a lot of, of difference in that age demographic. Like usually... Um, like our, our main fan is probably like a 20 year old, um, or 18 to 20 year old. Um, but we found that, um, there's been a lot of like kids, like 10, 10 to like 13 and then their parents, Yeah, which has been like a, a different dynamic. And then, and then going on beyond that, like, like actually older people, um, as well coming to the shows and the meet and greets. And it's like, that's like been our like dream, um, ever since we started, it's just to kind of maybe just to appeal to, to the young, to the very young and, and to the, the very old and kind of everywhere in between. And that way we're kind of like, you know, singing to an audience. It's, it's more broad than just the, the, the one kind of quote unquote target, you know, target market, yeah. if you will. Oh yeah, totally. But what usually happens with that is that when you, when you like, uh, when it works with, when you're trying to get too many people, Oh, sorry. I'm hearing a crazy sound. Oh, sorry. No, I just spit up, spit up a loogie in the sink. Oh no, worries, dude. that's on me, dog. <laughs> that's no problem. But but the problem is, you know, when you're trying to appeal to so many people, a lot of times you run the risk of appealing to no one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you appeal to everybody, so there's no niche fans. There's, you know, what I mean. It isn't. It isn't one type of music or one type of scene. You know, you know, you end up kind of alienating everybody, but somehow you guys have found a way to marry these types of music into a sound and into actually a really dedicated um, fan base, you know, that is really, really excited about about your your band, which I think is rare. Yeah, well, thanks. I've never even really thought of it that way, but that means a lot. Thanks. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, I don't know, you know, because like music that I listened to when I was 10 or 12 years old, 
there's there'd be no way my parents would want to listen to that music. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was listening yeah. to crazy metal and punk, and that was their you know what I wanted to hear. And my parents were like, "Okay, we'll drop you off at the show, and we'll, we'll be back at eleven, kind of thing." Right. Um, you know, and the the fact that it's working for you that you're able to have just I guess music that in a way is timeless um, mm. because it's ageless, and that's that's pretty special. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, you guys have been, I mean, there's just, I guess my main question here and like what I really want to center a lot of this around is the fact that you guys have been so grassroots, um, in terms of the business side of sides of things, you know, um, you guys are an independent band, aren't you? Yes. Like that's, that's absolutely wild. And I don't know if people understand people that just casually listen to these podcasts and don't really understand the music industry. Being able to get on late night TV and being able to get a Casey Musgraves feature on your record, those kinds of things, they don't typically happen with bands that aren't very immersed in the machine of the major label. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so often how that stuff comes about. So when I, when I read that about you guys, I didn't know that. That's very impressive that you guys have been able to seemingly exist you know as an indie band but also really really tap into these mainstream uh i guess opportunities that are out there yeah i mean we've we have um such an amazing like team kind of around us that that um have one i mean had just kind of advised us on a lot of stuff and um you know the school that we went to in, in nashville called belmont yeah um they really do kind of like do a good job of, or at least for, from, for my, from my, from my lens, um, when I went through school, um, they were, uh, very honest about, um, you know, like major labels and like what that means for artists. And, um, cause a lot of the people that were actually in the educational system too, were going to be the, the people that were working at these major labels too. So it was kind of like, it was really interesting. They were like speaking to, people that wanted to go work at a major label, but they're also speaking to like artists. So the fact that they were like, um, they're very like warning, um, centered, like with, with artists and, and just very like, you know, you need to know what you're doing and, and know your sound and know, uh, your vision before allowing someone else to come in and kind of break that or tell you, um, who are, you know, I think like early on as well, like we, we had mentors that kind of, um, cause after we put our first EP out, we had a lot of, um, very aggressive, very like, um, what do you call it? Pretty, um, uh, labels kind of come to the table. Right. Um, and it was, it was very enticing, obviously, like we were still in college and, um, we were, um, we were stoked that anyone, you know, outside of our moms wanted to listen to our music. Um, and this guy kind of set us down. Um, he's like one of our musical mentors. Um, we call him uncle Don. His name is Don Minkleaf, but uncle Don just sat down and he was like, you guys don't even know who you are yet. Um, cause we, we honestly were, you know, us kids, we were like, this looks sick. You know, we could be on a major label. Like that would be awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, um, so after this conversation where he said like, you know, you don't even know who you are there's so much more opportunity. There's six songs you guys just met. Like you guys need to find your vision, find your sound. Um, and really ever since that conversation, um, that's something that we've taken, 
taken very seriously, just like with with our music, with um, with our vision, with what we want to to do and what we want to say and, and stuff like that. And um, so the team kind of <clears throat> around us now um, has kind of allowed us to to make those decisions. And um, as an independent band, you're kind of financially. Uh, I guess trusting yourself or at least trusting the process a little bit and willing to say like, Hey, if this doesn't work, you know, this is on our pocket. Yeah. Um, which is also, I mean, it's hard. Um, but I think sometimes when it pays off, it pays off. Um, and, and I mean, I also to say like, we, we have worked with, um, Caroline who is under, um, is the, yeah, it's, it's been like the distribution, um, uh, deck under capital and they have just done like a wonderful job as well. So like the, the team is very big. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's not, it's still, it's still us kind of holding, holding the cards. That no, makes it's, sense. it's cool. Especially these days. And with the way that the music industry has changed since you put out that first EP, you know, the way that streaming has taken over the way that, that record sales, you know, have, have, you know, gone away. I mean, and although I'm sure you guys have done really well actually with, with your physical sales and stuff, but, um, you know, that, that, all that stuff, I mean, you have to be aware as an artist, those changes and have your ear to the ground and, and know what's going on because you can't just trust someone working at a label to know what's, you know, best and, and what's happening. And that's kind of an amazing thing you've been able to do. And I guess, you know, you guys probably pride yourselves on being much more in tune with the industry side of things than, you know, most, uh, most band members. Yeah. I like, I geek out at the, uh, the, the business side as well. I, yeah. I love, I love how the music business, like, like you said, it's always changing and it's always trying to figure out what's next. And, um, I, I think a big thing is, is like, if, if, if bands or artists like aren't willing to, I mean, you know, Taylor Swift and Jay-Z, they can do whatever they want, but, um, <laughs> if bands and, and artists, uh, aren't willing to adapt to the change, aren't willing to kind of embrace, um, you know, but like, is there was a lot of artists that didn't want to embrace Spotify when it came out and no, the totally. streaming and, and it's like, now it's like, all, all you want to do is get playlisted. You want to get playlisted everywhere. And, um, so I, I think it's just kind of like learning to try and to just learn to accept that, that music is changing every single year. And learning those patterns and trying to figure out, you know, why why are these hip hop artists streaming so well? Um, well, why why is that? Why is all of that <clears throat> happening? Why why are rock bands a little bit less on the streaming side, but still like touring well or like you know blah blah blah? Yeah. Um, so all, all that stuff I kind of geek out about, and, and it's been kind of fun to um, kind of marry the two, the with the creativity and and the the business side of it. Oh yeah, but you guys have you guys have had some amazing numbers, um, you know, on, on streaming and everything. It's uh, it's very impressive. Um, when you guys started, did you think mandolin was going to be a instrument they were going to want to play on the radio? I can't remember the last time I heard a mandolin on the radio. <coughs> Honestly, no. <laughs> but whenever we went to our first song on, on radio, we were like, "This is not going to work," like <laughs> because it was so high. I mean, the band on mandolin kind of held the hook for our first single, "Take It All Back," and yeah. We were like, there's no way this is going to work. Because um, especially at the time, even when we were going, like, um, Mumford, Mumford and Sons didn't really have a song out. The Lumineers, uh, they they hadn't had a song out in a couple of years. And so 
we were like, there wasn't really even like a, you know, when that folk thing was happening, you know, back, I guess when I was, when I was like a senior in high school. Yeah. I guess that's about how um, long. It, yeah. Yeah. It might would have like made more sense, but I think, at, you know, at the time that we were going, it was kind of like the 21 pilots kind of sound and that, yeah. um, more like the rock and I, I don't know. And so we, we, when we initially went, I was like, this is not going to work. And, um, somehow somehow I did <laughs> it's true yeah I didn't want to compare you to those bands um, there, but you're right I mean there is definitely a sound in terms of um, you know what bands have had mainstream success that you could compare yourselves to I guess with some of the instrumentation those bands you know I guess are, are obvious comparisons um, and it's true like it seems like now the things have shifted and, and those bands sure you'll hear those songs but you don't really hear the new songs those bands are putting out as much, you know, or they've changed to, you know, they've reinvented the, their sounds and stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I don't really know my, my question or comment. It's just, I find that that is really interesting because that song went to number one. Like it wasn't just like, Oh, it worked like, Oh yeah, it worked. Like we got a top 40, you know, uh, single out of it. It went literally went to number one, which is just, so wild these days I mean, for an independent artist it's just you must have been just be beside yourself <laughs> what happened on christmas day actually which is kind of funny but um yeah we were we were pretty dumbfounded honestly um about it's a it christmas all christmas miracle we were, there you go yeah it was a, that's what we kind of called it, it was just a <laughs> christmas lucky miracle <laughs> yeah that's that's amazing man um well I want to talk about, you know, some of the personal stuff that you've been through. And I know you talk about your upbringing, you know, down there in Tennessee being great, uh, having a really, really amazing kind of family upbringing and being very close to your parents. And now in your adult life, there's been turmoil on that side of things and how much that's affected you, you know, now in your late 20s. Um, in, in a way that you don't expect, in a way that you can't control. Um, and that kind of led to a lot of the subject matter on the, the last record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of this record <clears throat> kind of does dive into one. I, I mean, I, I grew up very, um, like in, in Nash or I'm, I'm just outside of Nashville called Cookville, Tennessee. And, um, yeah it's just kind of one of those small towns in Tennessee that, that it's probably stereotypical. Um, uh, not like racist rednecks or anything like that, that a lot of people stereotype, um, Southern Tennessee, but, um, you know, just like very kind and welcoming, like family vibe. And, um, everything is kind of like in a really, I think in a really cool and good way is everything's kind of revolved around the family. And, um, honestly, I, I mean, up, other than traveling for like AAU basketball and, and stuff, I, I didn't really travel much outside of, um, you know, kind of the Southeast region of yeah. the United States when I was little until we started touring. Um, so that was pretty much like all I knew of, of the world. And, um, you know, I grew up with the, the best family. We were all very close. Um, still, and still very close, um, even in the midst of, of, of pain, kind of the painful last few years. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and, and I also grew up very optimistic, um, so I think being optimistic, um, is great. Um, but 
for us optimists, it's it's really hard, or at least from my perspective, it's really hard to admit when anything's going wrong, right? Um, because it feels like that's a defeat, um, or you've done something wrong, or something's wrong with you if you if you feel negative about something. Um, so yeah, a lot of these words and this this narrative of this record kind of dives into, you know, the, the past five years of us doing about 250 shows a year. Yeah. Um, other than last year when, when we were recording uh, this new record. Um, and in the midst of that, my mom like really kind of spiraling with her, um, alcoholism and, um, my aunt, um, overdosing on Ambien and, uh, passing away and, uh, my, um, my parents getting divorced. And, um, it was just kind of like one of those things where just like a lot of things were kind of compounding a little bit in my family's life. And, um, in the midst of us traveling and, and really yeah, like learning not, how to travel well and you're um, not there. I cope. mean, that, that must have been so hard when you're, when you're not there to be maybe, you know, part of the family, part of the rock of the family that you'd been the whole time. Right. As an optimist too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think in some ways that was probably a blessing in disguise just cause, um, I think in the mm-hmm. middle of it, even my, my counselor um, was like, you know, you, you're, you're not the one that's going to be able to fix this. Like, I know you think right. you can fix this, but you can't. <laughs> so you need to step out of the way and like, um, allow this, you know, to happen. But yeah, that, that, that was pain. It was just painful to, you know, get off stage and you get a phone call from your sister and, you know, things aren't going well back at home and <clears throat> all that stuff. And I think that that was like a big thing for me is like my little sister and, and brother just kind of like at times not um, able to be like a shoulder to lean on for them in some ways just because of the natural um, ways of us traveling and, and so on. But yeah, I mean, I, I think honestly this record kind of helped me to dive into those emotions rather than to kind of bottle them up. Yeah. In, in certain ways that I, I certainly can as a human, um, just like bottle things. And then, you know, one day kind of just get really upset about something very minor and like, it's like all the emotions come up. Um, so a lot of the words and, and, um, stuff and <clears throat> the record have helped, I guess, me form like an emotion on them and, and actually be comfortable with talking about, um, the pain of it all and, and just, uh, being okay with, um, you know, even if I'm in my mid twenties and going through a parent's divorce that has, has been really hard to watch. Um, that's okay too. Um, we, we wanted to write a record that would be relatable to, to kids that are going through it as well, because I know it's a very common thing. You know, obviously it's like, I think, I don't know what the stat is, but across the world, um, it's gotta be at least half. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I think it's even like over maybe 60% now or yeah. something. And, um, but th- and then there's perspectives like my wife, like my wife never knew her dad and, and, um, had a really hard upbringing and never even knew what it was like to be in, uh, you know, a super safe environment growing up. And, and so all these different perspectives and, and pain, I think, um, are so good for us humans to just get out and to learn how to, to cope with them in a, in a healthy way. Um, and almost like turn it, you know, on its side and make it into something that's beautiful and, and make the pain something that we can kind of like look at and, uh, not necessarily be proud of, but be proud of. And yeah. to say that, you know, we're not, um, doing well in a season is okay. And to, to move forward and to hype makes you stronger for it. Um, in the end. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just so hard to, you know, you, you see you guys are doing 250 shows a year. I mean, with days off, you're talking about you're you're on the road 
what is that got to be 10 months of the year or something that's that's absolute crazy amount of time uh to be on the road you know and you i mean everybody gets homesick it doesn't matter what kind of music you're playing it doesn't even matter where you are traveling being away is difficult for for you know us band guys and when it starts to change the normalcy of home that you have had your whole life starts to change and you can't do anything about it. And all of a sudden, well, I'm looking forward and going home. And like, for me, like my parents are still together. I'm really close to my parents. You know, I just picture like I go and I sit on the couch and the spot on the couch, I always sit on while my parents watch TV and I'll sit there and I'll talk and my dad will get me a scotch and my mom will, you know, there's those things that I just are normal. And if that was taken away from me, I can't believe, I, can't imagine how hard that would be especially when you know it's getting taken away and you're so far away from it i mean that's that's um, i'm really sorry to hear that that's really really hard oh yeah thanks man yeah Yeah. that's definitely like a part part of it's like you know it's a little bit harder you know to want to go to cookville you know right uh, which which is kind of like a weird if you had told me that you know five years ago i would have been like you know you're crazy but do you still live in Tennessee, in Nashville, or, or Cookville area? Yeah, me and me and my Nashville are in Nash. Me, me and my Nashville. Me and my wife are in Nashville. Cool, cool. That's a great, great city. Uh, well, another thing you decided to do, and I'm. It's actually now talking to you. I don't know if it makes more sense or less sense, but you produced the new album yourself. Um, and I know I'm sure you had people twisting the knobs, and you had great engineers and and some people to to kind of give you some advice along the way. But it seems like writing a, an album that's so, you know, personal for you, um, putting the production side of it into it, I feel like is an extra step that must have been very difficult. Um, yeah, it, it was so fun. This this record, um, we, we kind of went back to uh, just like, wanted to just make sure that we were represented very well with, with the production. And so that's kind of like why we leaned in on ourselves, I guess a little bit more. I mean, I would be stupid not to say like Daniel, Daniel James and drew long, um, that they were kind of like our co-producers and, yeah. you know, without them, we would have probably gone insane in the studio. Um, <laughs> and, um, so I, yeah, we definitely wouldn't have happened without them, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think this record was so personal and we, we didn't really want, that strong like um producer kind of like bar- almost like barking orders um and uh having like really strong opinion about a certain thing uh, we really wanted to just kind of like make these songs um come alive through what we wanted and i think what was fun about producing this record was we kind of geared it towards like the emotions of each song um and wanted to produce and kind of follow each song where it was going rather than um, producing from like a whole record lens, if that makes sense. We, we wanted to make yeah. like our, our song, like quarter life crisis. It's kind of like an indie. It's almost like an indie rock song. It is. Absolutely. Uh, and we wanted to kind of follow that spirit of like um, almost like brokenness and, and helplessness and kind of admitting that, um, to myself for the first time and allowing that to be kind of stripped back and uh, acoustic guitar starting out, but then electric comes in and it's just kind of like a four on the floor type thing. But then you go to like the Casey Musgrave song, which is like 
almost like a folk country song. Yeah. Um, which is completely pilled back, like not to click. Um, oh, really? Just, just kind of us. Yeah, and we wanted it to be like just these raw vocals. So I think Casey did like two or three takes. I did two or three takes. Um, so the, the, the emotion of that, just the rawness of, of that song. And then and then a song like Don't Mess With Mama, which is like so heavily programmed, um, so yeah. um, heavily programmed uh, drums and uh, vocal samples and um, Darren King on the bridge, just like ripping it on like actual live drums that are distorted. Um, but this song is kind of about me getting in a fight with my dad and what that was like. And so I wanted it to feel like, you know, if a freaking MMA fighter was coming into the ring, like what would this <laughs> drop feel like? Um, so the production of it was, was so fun to kind of try to mask, uh, the emotion of each song and try to dive into, I guess the feeling of it and the, the feeling of what I felt, I guess, in the, in the midst of those songs. Like I was always a kid that I'm probably diving into this too much, but I was always a kid that, um, whenever I got really upset, I would like love to go to my room and, um, like throw on like loud music. Um, like there goes my hero by you know, hero by Foo Fighters or, right. or something kind of like, aggressive, like mean, more aggressive, but up, yeah. up, uplifting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and just like dance. <laughs> and so like a song like, why did you run? Um, which is a really hard song for, for me to write at the time. Uh, it's, we wanted to make it really dancey and danceable because that's the way I, I remember myself being as a kid, comfortable in my house. Um, so finding like ways to make that song dancey and, and stuff like that, emotions of that, um, that was just so fun to, to kind of come up with for the boys and, and Drew and Daniel in the studio. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. You guys can put together, you know, an album, you know, with you know basically producing it yourselves having it have you know it sounds like your band like you know you guys do manage to have a sound while still incorporating all these different elements and different production techniques um i think that's cool because a lot of bands what they would do is they would say okay we've got all these different things we want to do we're going to work with like four or five different producers and do a couple tracks with each but i think that maybe this is a better approach because you end up with a more cohesive album in some ways there's something tying it together. I don't know if it's just your voice or this, like the way you write songs, but, but it's, uh, for some reason that the, it kind of comes together in a, in a way that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. We, we definitely were conscious of that and, and wanted to make sure that like, you know, cause from, from the three of us, like we're, we're coming at music from like three different lenses. I mean, you get it being in a band. It's like, yeah, everybody has their personalities, their histories of music, their influences, what they're bringing to the table, what they're liking currently, um, what they're influenced by currently. And, and all of that, I think we, we tried to actually like embrace and, and feel like, I mean, um, you, you get it as well. It's like in the van alone, like when we were coming off of our first record, um, you know, we hadn't spent like five years in a van together. And, um, I think, right. In those formative like five years of just being in the van, like passing the auxiliary cord to Nate, our banjo player, <laughs> um, I, I learned so much about him through just him driving. We had a role that anybody was driving, you know, kind of got to control the, the auxiliary, especially if late at night or whatever. Sure. Um, to keep them up. And it was just wild to know, like, man, I don't really know Nate's like musical taste. 
I mean, he was throwing on like metal and like EDM and then he would throw on like um, the Punch Brothers and uh, these like really technically gifted like bluegrass like bands. So, I mean, it was just kind of like at the time, you know, we had just kind of just started with our first record and it was like, man, we should throw some of these elements like the, the rhythmical um, elements of the, the metal. I know Nate like really loves with the banjo and I think he relates to that uh, banjo playing in the same way that he used to kind of play the guitar. Um, he started out in the guitar and, and like metal. Um, <clears throat> and then Brian, uh, our mandolin player is so into like these like solo acoustic, um, like the Bob Dylan's of the world, or right. I mean, I know Bob went electric too, but, um, in, and like into classic stuff, like, um, Bach and, um, okay. he loves like listening to Frank Sinatra and, right. um, all these things. And I'm, I'm coming at from like probably my jock side, just like, um, 50 cent queen, <laughs> you know, Ari, Ario Speedwagon, Joan Jett, like, <laughs> anything that was kind of aggressive like uh, Dave Grohl is like one of my biggest heroes like um anything that was aggressive and uh, whether it be hip-hop or rock like that's what I loved and so anyways we, we want our record also within that to be cohesive in some way um because you know you, you like it's kind of like what you said earlier it's like the more you try to put into the pot too the the, the worse it can sound as well and yeah. the more muddy and the more yeah. weird, um, it kind of gets. So in some ways we kind of have to kind of fine tune it. I think like what we like to do too, is just like throw a whole strip of paint at the wall and then start taking, you know, start erasing the paint. Um, and that way it can kind of make something a little bit more simpler and, and kind of more addition by more subtraction. All right. There addition you go. by subtraction. There you go. There you go. That's, that's very interesting. Um, you guys are, are like on tour all the time. Um, and you guys go to a lot of places kind of off the beaten path. Like I saw, I don't know if you've, you've already done it. Yeah. I think you did earlier. Like you did two shows in Sweden. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not just doing like maybe going up to Stockholm. You're playing like two random shows in Sweden. Like you're doing all this kind of different stuff. Um, that's different from other bands, especially bands that are more appealing to you know, mainstream kind of music. Is that something that, that one, you know, you guys yourselves are driven to do? Is that, you know, more advice from uncle Don? Um, where, where does that kind of come from? Um, really good listening skills there. You like brought up uncle Don. I, love, oh, I feel uh, like he's my uncle now. I want to, I want to yeah. ask him for advice. I'm, I'm going to have to send him this interview. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean. By the well, way, that, you can that tell fall. my girlfriend. Please tell my girlfriend I have good listening skills. That that I need her to hear that. Dude, it's important. She I, will I never just believe read the, that. Uh, <laughs> the seven habits of a what's the seven habits of the highly effective person, and that's like one of them. Oof. Says get get really good at being a good listener, which okay. I'm I'm really bad at. Um, or my wife would probably suggest that I'm bad at. Yeah, but I'm, I'm I'm trying. You know, I'm just too ADD. Uh, I know, me too, dude. Um, do you remember the question? Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) so yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we love playing shows that are off the beaten path just because those people like, and like, I think you're referencing probably the Falkenberg Sweden show. Um, that was like actually one of our favorite shows on that European tour because 
you know, not a lot, not a whole lot of like shows go through those small towns. No, and so no. the people are like super hungry for them and almost come, come at it from like a very genuine approach. Um, like, I, I don't know if you've ever played music in uh, prison or jail, but no, uh, like one of my favorite things that I used to do back in college is just go play music in jail. And, um, just the way that they receive music in jail is just so beautiful. And so like, almost like irreverent. Wow. Um, and, and so like maybe on a less like intense level, like in these small towns that aren't necessarily getting like shows all the time, like the LA's or New York's or the Toronto's or right. Vancouver's, you know, it's like, I'm mean, even like tonight, I'm so stoked for the show tonight in Calgary. So the last show being here was like one of our smaller shows just because we, we were very new to, that was our first show at the time, but people were so like punk rock about it. And at our shows, like that's what we love. Um, I feel like Calgary, Calgary, no, I feel like Calgary is going to really work for you guys. Like the kind of sound and, you know, they're, they're people call Alberta, like the Texas of, of Canada, you know, and it's got, it definitely, you know, we have the Calgary stampede, uh, you know, the, 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 every, you know, year it's this huge thing. And so people are really immersed in kind of that country, um, uh, vibe, but they're still in the North, you know? So, uh, yeah, so yeah. I think it really works. <coughs> but, but, but back yeah, up, so back up we, for a second. we love finding I, these like pockets that just somehow connect to our music. Yeah. And we try and like, we, the reason why we went back to Falkenberg is because the, the last time we were in Sweden, it was like one of our favorite shows. Um, and we were like, man, let's just go back. Like, why not? Um, and we actually have like a, a squad, like a family there. Um, we call them like our family, but um, a family there that like really fights for us and like promotes it and cool. has have like formed like relationships. And so we love to do that in certain areas. Um, like we love to go back to my hometown and play, play shows in Cookville where right. they're super hungry for music and, um, all that. So yeah, we, it's part of, it's a little part of like the vision, but it's also just kind of like, we love the relationship aspect of music and what we get to do and getting to go to certain locations and feel like we know some of the people there that are like helping promote and support. Um, it means a lot for us to get to go back. There you go. Well, we've got some Swedish listeners to this podcast so that they're, they're, uh, they're probably big fans of, of Judah and the lion. Um, uh, back up for a second though, about this playing in a jail or a prison. Uh, you say that you used to just do this. Like, how does that work? You can just go play for prisoners if you want to. Well, I mean, we, I actually did it through like, um, kind of another, uh, I guess organization, but yeah, I mean, it's something that we really want to do on this record as well as, as getting, uh, get into the, the jail systems in play. Um, I know in the States or at least, uh, you know, back in the time that I was doing it all, all that it really takes is, um, like an, I think it's like an hour, like I had to go sit like an hour on like just getting educated on like what we were allowed to do and allowed to bring in and blah, blah, blah. Um, right. and then they just do a back, background check, make you make sure that you're not like crazy or anything. And then, <laughs> yeah, you just go in and, um, sing songs and, um, <clears throat> I don't know, get, get to know the guys a little bit. Um, I didn't do it like a whole, whole lot, but yeah, the five or six, probably five to ten times that I did it, um, it was very beautiful. Yeah, um, I've never heard of anyone doing it. The only thing I can think of is like that one Metallica video where they play like at San Quentin, uh, like to the death row. But it's like it's super glorified, like this, you know. Oh, they're doing this crazy thing. Like we might die playing in a prison kind of thing. 
Um, oh, you yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah. it's it's the, the actual real humanness of it, um, and you know what so many of those people have gone through um, or are going through, and what music can do emotionally. Um, yeah, that's that's I never really thought about that. That's pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, John Johnny Cash has been like a big inspiration right. in that way. Just like the way that he used to go and play in jails and just kind of have that like. I don't know, like a little bit of an attitude about it. Just like, I'm going to go freaking play in Folsom prison, yeah. you know, and do this thing. And it, it probably was like a little bit glorified too, or whatever, a press opportunity for him. But, um, I like to think of him just like being like, uh, the dude that just like wanted to go play for these people that totally, um, you know, in some ways are, are forgotten about and, um, still need like, the like what just exactly what you were talking about just like the emotionality and the love of music that that, that can bring to uh people no, no definitely um speaking of other um uh old school deceased uh legends your tom petty won't back down cover um i really liked your take on it because of just the time shift doing it in six six eight time uh was a really unique approach where did that come from i mean i i would have never thought you know because you've heard that song a million times i would have never thought of shifting it into like that waltz you know three four six eight uh time signature yeah honestly we kind of like fell into it we we got into the studio and it's like one of our that's one of my like favorite all-time songs like oh yeah i don't know how he can just make something so simple it sounds so cool and poetic and uh, I don't know, just like, I think for songwriting, that's like such a great song to kind of pull from on just like empowering people. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, wearing so a Tom, I, actually, I'm actually wearing a Tom Petty shirt right now. As strange as that yeah, is. Dude. That's completely not even like I, that's just a coincidence. It's pretty weird. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. Um, that that song is is incredible on so many levels. Yeah. And actually, I, I kind like when I got into the studio and just started playing, um, the song on my uh, 12 string, I was like, this is kind of a, like a love song. Um, I, I felt, I, I don't know why I felt it in, in a different way, but, um, mm-hmm. he's like literally singing like, Hey baby, there ain't no easy way out. Like, right. It, and I almost like imagine like, I think I had just listened to a podcast about marriage and about how, uh, true, love, like real true love comes from marriage and, and all it, the podcast was all all about how, um, you know, if you're, I don't necessarily need to go into this, but it's, it's just talks a lot about just like how, if you're in a marriage, you have to like fight every day for that relationship. And, um, you know, cause you're not, you're not every day going to like wake up, you know, in a 20 year marriage or a 30 year, 50 year marriage and, uh, wake up and like truly be like head over heels in love. Like you have right. to like choose to like fight for that person that maybe got on your nerves the night before or whatever. Um, and in that way you're choosing to love them, which is like where true love I believe kind of comes from. And anyways, I, I was just like, man, this is a love song. And I was like, I wonder if we can make this into like more of like a waltz. Yeah. Like, like a first dance song for someone that's, you know, getting married um, and then like singing, singing that to each other, like in, in the midst of that, or maybe they're like renewing their vows and something went wrong and I won't back down. And, and probably part of it was, you know, still kind of in the season with my parents where 
Right. Um, sure. They they were kind of going through this force and um, all that stuff, and I was like thinking about my wife. Like I don't want to back down ever, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the, that's where kind of the six came. The six idea came, and kind of we swung it, and I was like, man, we we really don't want to ruin this song <laughs> either. <laughs> no, I appreciated um, it though because it kinda, you know that's a, that's a song. It's been covered to death, you know? It's like, oh, God, here we go again. Another, you know? And, like, because yeah. there's only so much I feel like people can do to really... I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever going to make it better, let's be honest. It's pretty much flawless, the original. But if you can at least put a different yeah, spin yeah. on it and, and, and then give it your own meaning... Um, but but what, one thing that's kind of, like, I guess resonated with me through our conversation, you know, for the last, I guess it's been, we've been talking for over 45 minutes. I appreciate your time. Um, it's just how, when you are talking about writing a song or, or producing a song or putting a song together, you seem to think of that, of a person, of an audience, of a person listening to it, of a person, a person dancing to it or what they're going to take mm-hmm. away from it. And then also how it, that applies to you and I think that that's such an important thing that gets lost so often when bands play music, you know, and not to say that bands get too selfish or, or self-absorbed with what they're trying to do, but they lose the whole focus on, hey, what, what is this, what, is, what purpose is this song going to serve out in the world? And that might be the secret to how you have been so successful, is just mm. how important that is, you know, for you in making music. I don't know if you ever thought about that or if you've thought of that being different, a different approach than, than a lot of artists. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have thought about that. I mean, I think, <clears throat> I think we definitely, like, want to write music that will work for our live show. I mean, I, I think <laughs> before right. we ever had a song on the radio or anything, the only way anybody, like, ever heard of our music was as if we went and opened for a band or yeah. we played a festival. Um, so the live show was such a big part of like our growth and, um, putting on a good, well-crafted live show. So has always been so important to us because of that reason. Um, so there's a little bit of there, but I haven't, I haven't thought about maybe the more deeper levels of just like, what is that person feeling when they're hearing the song live or what are they doing? Yeah. Um, which is cool. No, absolutely, man. Well, um, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I appreciate all of this. And uh, you guys are busy. How much longer are you out on the road for? Um, People can come see you, I guess. Uh, Probably pick up tickets at your website. Uh, And can we expect some more music? What's what's up next for you guys? Yeah, so we we have, I think, six shows left on this tour. I think we're, we're show 55 tonight in Calgary. 55? Damn. Um, Damn, that's a lot of shows. Yeah, we're we're definitely filling like the uh, that that tour bus. Yeah. We I guess we haven't been home in a bit. Yeah, um, that that tour bus homesickness kind of exhaustion right now. But um, you know, definitely wanting to push through. And we get a couple of days off actually after Edmonton, um, so we're back home then. Oh, cool. So that that'll be fuel fuel to the fire. But yeah, we have about six shows left, I think, and then um, back home. Um, I think we're back in the studio. Uh, actually, kind of working on. Um, some music and then uh yeah we're like really looking forward to next year and um more touring and, and all of that all of that jazz um yeah so we're we're so super stoked about it 
Awesome, man. Well, um, thanks, man, for all this. And uh, I always play music for the people, and I don't know which song to play. So what do you think we should, uh, we should end this off with? What tune? Well, Queen, we have a song, like an eight-minute eight, it's an eight song. It's called Queen Songs on the new record. All right, let's play the eight-minute jam. It's probably, it's, probably, it's probably one of my favorite, but it might be too long for your podcast. If it's no, no, spot, no, no, no. We, got no, we have no lengths. So I love it. Let's, let's do all it. All right. There Listen you go. to all eight minutes, everybody. That's that's. <laughs> talk, talk about the song a little bit before I play it. Uh, just what what's going on with this? Yeah. One? Well, the, this this song. I mean, just transparently, it's probably the hardest one for me to release. It was a song written for my mom um, in the midst of her kind of going in and out of jail with 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 her alcoholism and just oh, trying to like learn to cope with that and just to try to figure it out because I love my mom so and intensely um and you know just like with with any person that that you're around that's an addict or an alcoholic you just like feel for that person in, in such a strong way because um you know what they're going through is like almost unexplainable and uh it's so you know toxic to to them and to the people around them and, and you're wanting to fix it so bad but you know you just can't um so you kind of feel a little bit um defenseless and a little paralyzed in that way. Um, but I think for the song, like I just, I wanted my mom to know, like I, and I think that this, this probably consumes a lot of like alcoholics or addicts is like, it's hard for them to get out of their head that everybody's always thinking that they're just that one thing. Like, yeah. Oh, that's blah, blah, blah. He or she's an alcoholic. It's like, that's that they get so self-consumed in that way, which I feel like can make them even spiral even worse. Um, cause I don't think of my mom like that. I really don't like, I think about my mom, um, like the first course talks about like us singing like queen song, like Bohemian Rhapsody and in, in her car growing up or, right. um, the, the things that I like think about my mom are just like how amazing she is. <clears throat> um, and more of like an optimistic approach. And then, uh, Brian, our mandolin player wrote this, uh, kind of this instrumental, um, on the back end of it, this kind of like the part two, it's called human. Um, that me and my, me and my sister wrote this poem just kind of about not necessarily my mom, but just about like, um, my, my sister, she's also a writer, had this like line that like really hit me. And I think it's something that I feel like a lot of, at least kids with alcoholic parents can, can relate to is, um, she said, I, I, you know, I think that they say that you're a disease, but you look so human to me. Um, yeah. Wow. And it's just like, that, that's something that's like so relatable. It's like, no, they're just alcoholics. It's like, well, yeah, but it looks, it, it's harder because they're, you know, they're making this choice. And so I think that that's, I don't know. Anyways, it's so that the first part's more like this, like stripped back folky kind of song, like written to my mom, um, like thinking about the good parts of, of life. And then, the back end is more just kind of coming out from, I guess, the pain of that into the hope of, of moving on in life and, and my mom being a beautiful person. Well, I appreciate you explaining that. So I'll play the song for the people yeah, right sorry, now. I didn't mean to go like heavy oh, no, no, on, on, a, on your podcast listeners. No, no, no. Believe uh, me, they're now the listeners. And yes, I'm, I'm seeing you right now. Don't skip these eight minutes. They're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> think about, they're gonna think about the song now that way. So it's important you summed it up. So I'll play it right now. Here it is, Queen Songs slash Human on Lead Singer Syndrome. Most of the time, 
I wish you weren't so sad all the time And I wish that I could fix it But I can't And most of the time I don't call you late at night Cause I'm scared that you're drinking And that hurts like hell But I remember Queen songs In the passenger seat You were singing along And smiling at me And things were good And things were good And things were good Things were good And most of the time You don't listen to anyone at all And I'm proud that you're stubborn And that scares me to death And most of the time Things seem to be getting worse You're alone in Cookville After he left But I remember baseball You were in the seats Mad at that for carrying on And yelling at me And things were good Things were good And things were good
So there is music from Judah and the Lion, a long one. Maybe the longest song we've played on this show, and I love it. I love it. There's no rules here. We play anything that we want to. It is really, really great. So as I mentioned in the intro, next week I'll be on vacation someplace real sunny. Yeah, I'll be enjoying it. And finally, I will take a break, (laughs) a much needed break. But don't worry, in two weeks, I will be back. We've got some great episodes coming up. We got the Menzingers, the Devil Wears Prada, Nefex, very different stuff. I love it. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you want a little additional content, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. It is what helps us around here. The link for that is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Anyway, peace and love. I will see you in two weeks.